0: Good morning. It's a joy to be here with you again. Merry Christmas. How many of you, raise your hands, either joined us here for the Christmas Eve service or were online watching the Christmas Eve service? How many of you all at home? Great. Appreciate that very much. It was a wonderful service. It was really special, you know, different, of course, like so many things are these days. But beautiful to be able to be outside and see the candles being lit and being able to sing together is God's church. So my message today is titled, What Do You Expect? What do you expect? What sort of expectations do you have? We all go through life with certain expectations, right? Um, For instance, you came to church this morning expecting to see a big, jolly, balding guy preaching to you, and instead, (laughs) disappointment. Disappointment. Or maybe you were hoping for that PlayStation 5 under the Christmas tree and Santa only brought you a a used Nintendo Game Boy with no batteries. (laughs) Sometimes we have expectations and sometimes we're disappointed. For instance, Kathy and I went out not too long ago to a relatively famous local Italian restaurant and I I was really psyched and the waiter came over and I said, I'd like to have chicken Alfredo tonight. And his face fell, and he looked very sad, and he said, I'm so sorry, sir, but we're completely out of chicken Alfredo. But that's okay. It's a big menu. So I said, not a problem. I'll take instead the uh, shrimp and chicken carbonara. And again, his face fell. And he said, I'm sorry, sir, but I just gave the last chicken and shrimp carbonara to table five over there. In fact... We have no pasta whatsoever, no linguine, no ravioli, no spaghetti, nothing at all. But the chef tells me he's ready to cook you a wonderful hamburger, if you would like. <laughs> An Italian restaurant with no pasta? It's inconceivable. <laughs> but sometimes life is like that. I mean, you might just as well try to imagine going to Costco, right, and, and finding there's no toilet paper. (laughs) Such things don't happen. Sometimes life doesn't meet our expectations. Sometimes life throws things at us that we wouldn't have expected in a thousand years, like a virus that's so dangerous, so deadly, so infectious, that it's crippled the entire world for almost a year now. Or a baby born to a virgin, who came to reunite the world and make us right with God. So I want us to think about expectations today. I want us to think about what we expect of God. I mean, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've made a decision to walk through life as a disciple, if you've entered into what we call a relationship with God, what do you expect next? What do you expect to happen? How do you expect God to respond How do you expect your life to change? What do we expect of God, and what does God expect of us? We're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture today. The first is a continuation of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and the second is a portion of a letter written by Peter in 1 Peter 5. And so get out your Bibles or your smartphone if you have one, and if you don't have any of those things, the words will be up on the screen as usual. And so we're going to jump into Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Now let me set the stage for you. So Luke has just finished telling the Christmas story, which we all heard just a few days ago, uh, the excitement of the birth of Jesus. And then about seven, eight days later, um, Luke says that the baby was circumcised, following the law that uh, Moses had laid down for the Israelites in Leviticus chapter 12. And then where the story picks up today. About a month later, Mary and Joseph were carrying out more of the requirements of the Levitical law, and when they were doing that, something very unexpected happened. So let's read together. Luke two twenty two, Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says... If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him as a result The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's a beautiful passage. So let's look at some of the expectations of the folks in this section of Scripture. Mary and Joseph had had this huge, amazing revelation from God. At the birth of Jesus, the angels had come to the shepherds. The shepherds had come and found the baby. There was hubbub all through the, the city of Bethlehem and proclamations and, and the, the uh, hope that this child was indeed the Messiah. But then since then, things had quieted down. They'd gotten into the routines of being parents. They had taken him and had him circumcised. They were going about their everyday life. So when they went to Jerusalem, I think they were expecting a somewhat quiet, a somewhat private, a somewhat commonplace experience. Every day, children were brought into the temple to be dedicated in this very same way to the Lord. The last thing they were expecting was prophecy and a prophet to show up and to take the baby and to make a declaration about their son Jesus. Simeon. Simeon had expectations. He was expecting to go to the temple to meet God and worship. He was expecting, as he always did, to be able to go and pray in the house of the living God. He was expecting to see the Messiah, in fact, because the Holy Spirit had told him he would one day before he died see the Messiah. But he was growing old. It says that he was on in years. And, And I wonder... Like many of us would, if all of his waiting and all of these uneventful trips to the temple over the years maybe had somewhat dimmed his sense of expectation. Maybe had made him wonder if this was really going to happen. And then Simeon and his larger community, all of Israel, was waiting too, like him, for the, for the Messiah. They all knew the prophecy that Isaiah had spoken hundreds of years earlier from Isaiah 9, chapter, verse 6. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That was what they knew. And yet, hundreds of years had gone by since that prophecy and the Messiah had not come. There was a great gulf in time. And I think there was also a great gulf between what Israel was expecting and what God had actually planned. Look again at verse 25. It says, Simeon was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Rescue from what? Well, you know the story. Israel had been torn by wars and rebellions. They had been conquered. They had been conquerors. They had been enslaved. They had suffered all sorts of um, cruelties. And all because they had many times walked away from uh, the Lord. They had gone their own way. They had gone away from God to serve money and power and other gods. And now they were Roman subjects. They were ruled over harshly by pagan kings and brutal armies. And so many, like Simeon, were praying that Israel would be restored to the glory days of King David. In the days of King David, Israel was the conquering nation. Israel was feared. Israel was the power to be in that part of the world. They wanted to see that happen again. They wanted God to vanquish the Romans and bring back, restore the kingship of David. But notice, as the Holy Spirit prophesies through Simeon, he spoke about a very different Jesus. Simeon said in verse 30, and he's speaking now under the Leading of the Holy Spirit, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. So the warrior, the rescuer, the conqueror, the king that Israel was expecting, in Simeon's prophecy here, becomes salvation for all people and a light to reveal God to the nations. Sometimes there's a huge, huge gap between what we expect and what God does, right? The question I want to ask today is, do you expect anything from God? I mean, unlike Simeon, we know how the story of Jesus plays out. We understand God's plan of salvation. We celebrate the body and blood of Jesus Christ here every Sunday. We live as a people who've been forgiven. We live as a people who live under the grace of the cross. Is that the end of the story? Is God all finished? When you came to church this morning, what were you expecting? Some friendly greetings kind of muffled behind your masks? A few uplifting songs? Some wise words from Pastor Dwayne, that expectation's been crushed already. (laughs) Did you come with any expectations of God this morning? Do you wake up each morning expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to you or connect with you during the day? The question for myself and for all of us in the morning that I want to ask is that, do we live like Simeon, convinced that God is going to show himself to us? Do we live that way? So another Christmas is over. And you know, the expectation that Santa is coming is what makes Christmas so wonderful for children. Uh, They make their lists, they count the days, they look beneath the empty tree and they imagine it filled with all these gifts. They have a hard time settling down to sleep Christmas Eve because the anticipation, the excitement is so real, so alive. It keeps them awake until they finally can't keep their eyes open any longer and then they go downstairs and what do they find? Not coal, usually, usually wonderful gifts, things to unwrap, things that give them excitement. And we adults have expectations of a whole different sort every day. As I get ready for work each morning, my wife often asks me, what's ahead for me in my day? And sometimes I have appointments already scheduled with people who are going to come in and bring their computers to me so that I can fix some problem. Sometimes I go to the office not really knowing what to expect, but pretty confident that I'm going to get a phone call or an email or somebody's going to drop in and say, I've got a problem, can you fix this for me? Do I have similar expectations about encountering the living God? Unfortunately, not always. Well, here are a few things that Scripture tells us that we can expect if we follow Jesus. We can expect from God. First of all, we should expect God's word to speak to us. We should expect God's word to speak to us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Throughout Scripture, God's Word speaks to us, and that's one expectation we as Christians should have. Another expectation we should have is that we should expect God to walk through life with us. Jesus himself said this in John fourteen sixteen, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. We can expect God's word to speak to us. We can expect God to walk through life with us. Another expectation we should have is that we should expect God to reveal himself to the world through us to reveal himself to the world through us. Dwayne spoke about this just a few weeks ago, this uh, passage from 2 Corinthians 5.20, written by Paul. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We should expect God to reveal himself to the world through you and me. And finally, and this is not the only thing, but I'm sticking with four right now, We should expect God to hear and answer our requests. James talks about this. If you need wisdom, he says in James 1.5, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Hope and expectation go hand in hand. Ken Irwin said that during our Blue Christmas service. He said, hope is living with the expectation that something is coming. They're tied together. We have expectations, and expectations give us hope. But I'm afraid this past year has drained hope from many of us, and I wonder, is it even possible to have hope If we don't expect God to be present in our lives, if we don't expect God to be attentive, if we don't expect God to be engaged in your life, in my life, is it possible to have hope if we don't expect God to show up? Perhaps real hope grows out of our expectations about what we know to be true of God. We know God is good. We know he's just. We know he loves us. We know he cares for us. And therefore, despite everything we're experiencing, I believe and I hope that God will redeem, God will rescue, God will speak, God will help. Knowing who God is, knowing his nature, creates expectations that give us hope. God is good. Therefore, God will rescue. God will, God will help Perhaps also hope dies when we lose any expectation that God will show up in the daily moments of our lives. How can we have hope, real hope, if we don't expect God to walk with us in life? What should we expect from God? I think um, Peter wrote something very profound about his own expectations and I wanna look at that I'm always amazed at Peter. Peter started out his journey with uh, Jesus as a man who was deeply aware of his flaws, deeply aware of his unworthiness, deeply aware of his sinfulness, and he ended up in the very same place, but convinced that God loved him nevertheless, that God had forgiven him, that God had washed him clean by the blood of the cross. So listen to what he writes in 1 Peter 5.10. In his kindness... God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. You read that again. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. I see six expectations in that that Peter has. First of all, we will share in God's eternal glory. Secondly, before that day comes, we will suffer. Thirdly, God himself will restore us. God himself will support us. God himself will strengthen you and God himself will place you on a solid foundation. And so this is the the crux of what I began thinking about as I started thinking about expectations. We do expect God to speak to us in his word and we do expect him to hear and answer our prayers. But Peter's expectations are more about making it through life's difficulties, making it through the difficulties of this present world, and looking ahead to glory. And according to Peter, we should expect God to come really close, uncomfortably close, to look into our eyes and to begin a careful, loving, lifelong process of repairing the damage that we've experienced from a lifetime of sin and suffering and brokenness. God wants to come close. Peter's expectation is that God would restore him, support him, strengthen him, and place him on a firm foundation, and he would do that every day, day by day. What should we expect? We should expect God to restore us, to support us, to strengthen us, and to place us on a solid foundation I want to introduce you to someone. His name is Julian Baumgartner of Bumgartner Fine Arts Restoration. You can go ahead and start that. Yeah. Julian is a Chicago artist who repairs old and damaged paintings. His hope, his goal, the thing he applies his skills to, is to make a work of art appear once again in all the beauty and luminance the creator originally intended. Panels of wood crack and Julian puts it back together again. Paintings on canvas rot or decay and Julian skillfully strengthens the canvas, straightens the stretcher, patches tears, repaints areas where the original paint was lost and cleans off decades of grime and dirt to reveal the hidden beauty of the work. This This is what God desires for you and me. We may not like to admit it, but we're covered in grime, the grime of a lifetime of being exposed to the elements. We're pierced with rips and tears where we've been carelessly knocked about. Our paint has rubbed off in places. Our edges are frayed. Our colors have been obscured behind a mask of lies or pretense or fears or anger or hurt. And the Christ who healed lepers, the Christ who restored sight to the blind, who made the lame walk, who gave comfort to the poor, who loved sinners and prostitutes, that same Christ wants to apply his creative healing powers to restore us, to support us, to strengthen us, to prepare us for an eternity in God's glorious presence. We are not yet as God intends us to be. Every day, our Heavenly Father approaches us with his solvents, his brushes, his paints, and he says, let me restore you. We're all very focused right now on this virus. We don't really know what to expect of the future. The headlines are gloomy. They tempt us to lose hope. And our Heavenly Father knows that we're in a difficult and unsettling place as individuals, as a church, as an entire world right now. But this is nothing new. The world since the beginning has always been in crisis, which is why God's priorities never change from day to day, from decade to decade, from millennium to millennium. What should we expect of God? Every day, if we'll let him, He will prepare us for eternity. Every day, if we'll let him, he will restore us from the losses we've experienced. He will support us in the hardships we're living through. He will strengthen us to endure the suffering, the suffering we're going through now, the suffering we may not even know is coming. He will build up the foundation we're standing on so that the storms won't knock us down. Just around the corner is 2021. What's that going to be like? What do you expect? What do you expect will happen with this virus? Nobody knows. What do you expect our new president will be doing? Who knows? What do you expect will be in the headlines this time of the year, next year? If we build our hopes on health, prosperity, peace, political movements, we're going to be disappointed. What should we expect? What should you expect as a follower of Jesus Christ? What should I expect as a follower of Jesus Christ? Expect God to show up every day. Expect God to look into your eyes and to say, What shall we work on today to get you ready for eternity? Let's pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, living God, resurrected Jesus. Sometimes we have expectations of you that are more wrapped up in our wants, not so much in what we really need. What we really need, Father, because we really have been knocked around by life. We really need to know your healing, your restoration, your help. We really need you to restore us and to make us ready for eternity. And we're definitely not ready for eternity right now. Lord Jesus, like Peter, as we come to you, we recognize that you love us deeply. You don't condemn us. You see the things that we have, the ways in which we have fallen short, the ways in which we've wandered off, like the prodigal, and you come running out when we're ready to come back again and you welcome us back with a kiss. Let us not, Lord, grow weary of expecting you to show up in our lives. Let us not forget that the thing that you want most is to enter into our lives each day, each morning, and to speak to us, and to smile at us, and to say to us, there's a lot of restoration we need to work on. What should we start with today? Let's get you ready for eternity. Lord, let us not focus on the terrible headlines, but let us focus on the hope that you are real, you are alive, you are with us, and you've prepared a place for us in eternity because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.